Hey, welcome to a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP, number 115. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we create a Baltimore Orioles Caribbean Connection poster. And special guest, Brent Flyberg, an LA-based comedian and podcast producer of Pod Yourself a Gun, talks about making his little brother laugh and the Seattle Mariners. But first, I'm going to have a drink. Before I have a drink, I'm going to try to pronounce this because I'm going to need a drink after I pronounce it. Basically, I'm drinking this week a sake. It's a beautiful crystal blue sake. I believe it's pronounced Nihonjin no Wasuremono. Nihonjin no Wasuremono. Apparently, it's a Yamahai Junmai Saki from a place called Bungraku in the city of Saitama, Japan. Wow, that was bad. <laughs> Anyways, I what I did is I put I chilled the sake. I don't like hot sake. I also don't like hot soju, which is like the, the Korean version of sake. And this, I'm, I'm going to have a drink now. Give me a second. It's, it's actually smooth because it's cold. And it's kind of like a wine because it's between five and sixteen percent alcohol, and uh, it's good. It's a good curveball to throw. I almost always drink beer, but I'm drinking nice, delicious sake. Where is it from? Since you asked, it's from Buranku in Saitama, Japan. Not only are we having a nice Japanese drink this episode, there's also a lot of Japanese players that prefer to play on the West Coast and specifically in Seattle because. It is a little bit closer to Japan, and the time difference is still hellacious, but it's a little bit more convenient for Japanese fans to watch their favorite Japanese players in Major League Baseball. You're thinking of Shohei Otani, the first, very first Japanese player you think of. But also, Seattle has a history of having good Japanese players. A lot of there's a big Japanese population in Seattle, and we're going to be talking plenty of Seattle later in the episode with our special guest. If you want to know what this sake looks like, if you want to know what it tastes like, go and drink some. The, the I always put what I drink in the episode description. The picture of my drink is going to be on Instagram, Hipster Baseball Podcast, and on Twitter, HBP4040. Speaking of the LA Angels and Shohei Otani, I was excited. I decided to make a trip to go see the, Los, the third place in the American League West, Los Angeles Angels, play the second place American League East. Baltimore Orioles just a few days ago I was excited to finally see Shohei Otani and center fielder Mike Trout from the LA Angels but before all of that happened I was a little blinded because somebody was wearing on the field a red glitter belt and that someone was the LA Angels third baseman Gio Urshela all of as you know the LA Angels colors is red and white and they all wear red belts. So they're wearing their white away jerseys. It said it said LA on it or Los Angeles or Anaheim or whatever the heck it said on it. But Gio Rochella's belt was not red. It had red glitter. I swear to you. I kept looking at and I and then I saw him because it just catches your eye. And then and then I made it a point. Let me see the other players in the outfield, the other angels out players, the angels in the outfield to see if anybody else's belt glitters. Nobody, nobody but Gio Urshela. And I'm like, 
He's having a decent year. He's hitting 298. His batting average, his on-base percentage is 321. But I'm still like, I'm still, it's a big flex, Gio Urshela, to be wearing a red glittered belt. I don't think he had a hit that game, but whatever, it's one game. Mike Trout, one of the players I actually made it a point to see, hit a home run. He hit a solo home run to center field. I think it was to center right field. But the Orioles center fielder, Cedric Mullins, he was hauling booty back there, climbed the wall, and the ball went off of the webbing of his glove. So he's right-handed. So it went off of his left hand. It was Cedric Mullins almost stole a solo home run from Mike Trout. And that home run was the only run that the, that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim scored. And unfortunately, Shohei Otani had four at-bats and he didn't have a single hit. But what I was most impressed, again, I think I even said this last week, the Baltimore Orioles bullpen in the eighth and ninth inning. Incredible. Now, every time I see an Orioles game, I'm impressed by the bullpen. First, in the eighth inning, they brought out a six-foot-four Cuban by the name of Yanir Cano. Then, to finish off the Angels, and they had to face Shohei Otani, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the ninth inning. Felix Bautista, a six-foot-eight Dominican. Are you kidding me? These guys should be playing basketball, for God's sakes. And I'm like, both these dudes are humongous human beings. They're both from Caribbean islands. Why aren't the Orioles marketing department, why isn't Major League Baseball marketing doing something like they did back in the 80s where they would make awesome posters in the 80s as of, of athletes? And specifically in baseball, I remember that they had a very cool poster from the San Francisco Giants, Kevin Mitchell, that he was like standing above the, the, the skyscrapers in San Francisco and it was like called Batman. So he was it was a dark poster and he was like looking over everywhere and then of course the classic poster the bash brothers with the oakland athletics steroids brothers jose canseco mark mcguire and another good favorite of mine was the poster was called black and blue and it was the incredible athlete bo jackson and standing in front of a locker with like smoke coming out half of the locker had his la raiders football gear and then the other half of his of Bo Jackson's locker had his Kansas City Royals baseball gear. So awesome. Baltimore Orioles, please get on this. Do an amazing marketing job with your two Caribbean connection monsters of relief pitchers. In the eighth and ninth inning, Cano, uh, Cano and Bautista combined for the two innings pitched. They walked one player. They walked one batter. And they struck out four of the six. They, they struck out four batters. I see Cano and Bautista, and I think this just might be a World Series bullpen. But I'm not convinced about the rest of the Baltimore Orioles roster. And I think I said, I said something about this last week about the Orioles are not going to go spend to get a big bat to help them in the stretch run when they might be able to overtake the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think so, but the, but the Orioles should definitely be in the playoff hunt at the end of the year. I don't think they're going to get the World Series. But that bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles is... Amazing. You have to watch. Even if you don't watch all Baltimore Orioles games, watch like that final two innings and see this Caribbean connection. Yanir Cano, uh, Felix Bautista. Amazing. The Cuban and the Dominican. You can put like rice, 
cooking up wins. I don't, there's so many more options you can do with these two dudes to market them and draw on their Caribbean connection. I love it. I love it. The the Baltimore Orioles are going to continue to be a good, fun team to watch. And you know what's fun sometimes as well? This week's episode is brought to you by Lilt. Lilt makes curls so easy. Lilt makes body so easy. Lilt makes the difference so easy. Beautiful hair is easy with Lilt Home Perm. Only Lilt has sponge wraps for foolproof roll-ups for easy care hair. Lilt makes a difference so easy. For the ladies in our lives, our mothers, our grandmothers, sisters, aunts, nieces, significant others, whoever, maybe you should get them some Lilt and uh, they'll change up their look. For, for better or for worse, I have no idea. But thank you to Lilt for sponsoring this week. And I had said earlier, we're going to have a Seattle connection here because our next guest is going to tell us all about the Seattle Mariners. This week's special guest is Brent Flyberg, an L.A.-based stand-up comedian and producer of Pod Yourself a Gun and a Seattle Mariners super fan. Brent, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, a Seattle Mariners super fan. It's a curse, a curse that I carry uh, gracefully every day. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. How did you, how did you find me, Dorian? Was it through Pod Yourself a Gun? Actually, no. I I listened to a couple of uh, the ep- like the episodes for The Sopranos, and I had, had a question on that later. But I I just typed in comedian and Mariners fan. No fuck. Believe way. it or not. Believe it or not. And there was an article that I think it came out like two or three years ago uh, that when you had apparently been on another podcast. Yes. And they the wrote Lookout an article Landing on that. podcast. Exactly. Yes. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And I looked you up on YouTube and I was like, all right, cool. Let me, let me see if this guy is going to respond to me. This is maybe <laughs> the proudest moment of my life to learn that someone Googled Mariners comedian and found your boy. Oh, thrill. Thrill. Believe Thank it. you. The stars were aligned. Yes. Let me ask you, what's the first time you made someone laugh and you realized, I want to keep doing this? That's, damn, what a question. I, I I have like, I have some vague memories of like entertaining my younger brother when he was a baby because I think that like, I don't know, I was the middle child and I think that like, I, I just always had the sense that like my parents were really busy so anything and I just wanted to help you know so like anything I could do to like occupy my brother so that my parents could do whatever they needed to do so I remember I just like I have vague memories of like not only like making my brother laugh but then kind of like looking around and and, like realizing that like oh I was getting this attention that I often felt like I wasn't getting enough of and so I think it was I think it started then and then you know in like elementary school, again, I have some just like some vague memories of of making kids laugh so hard and feeling kind of like I'm not even I'm not even being funny right now. Like what's going on? I guess maybe I don't know. Maybe I should lean into this. And it, you know, and then from there, it just became like deeply embedded in my identity that like, uh, oh, I'm funny. And then at some point it became, oh, well, I should try to make this my career. And that is another curse that I've been carrying gracefully for however many years. Uh, so, yeah, I would say it's I, there. I can't pinpoint a specific moment, but 
there was, I remember I, I, I did this bit. I was doing this bit with my brother when I was young where um, I would, <laughs> I, this is such a specific memory. I had a set of like toy keys, you know, that like babies have. And I would like stand in front of him and hit myself in the butt with it and then spin around and go, who did that? And he thought it was so funny and I thought it was pretty funny. And yeah, that's maybe the first bit I ever wrote. I should try that out and see if it still works. You used to play college baseball. And mm -hmm. when you think about like, not just baseball players, but just any athletes at the mm -hmm. high school collegiate and the professional level, there's a lot of pranks, but that aren't necessarily funny. Were you mm -hmm. pulling pranks and also just cracking jokes at the same time when you were playing college baseball? I was not much of a prankster. I am generally not into pranks. I'm not a big prank guy. Although I will say that some of we have, there have been some fun, like prank like things that I remember from, from playing baseball growing up. One of my favorites was um, every once in a while we had, I played on this like summer team. that was the, the Seattle bombers and our coach, Mark Potoshnik, shout out Mark Potoshnik. He was a pretty funny guy. And so like sometimes every once in a while, Someone would hit a home run and he would immediately like spin. It was only if we were on the third base dugout outside, he would spin around to the rest of the dugout and be like, don't say anything. <laughs> and so we would all just act like nothing happened. And the guy, the guy would come back and like, just, just kind of like, God, what was his name? This guy, Luke, one time hit a bomb that, that barely cleared the fence. He trots around the, he trots around the bases. Everyone's, just firmly planted, like, you know, pretending to watch the next at bat, just like, all right, here we go. And he comes in and he like, he, you could see like, everyone's watching him out of the corner of their eyes, just this like blank stare on his face. Like what's going on? And he goes and he, and he sits down on the end of the bench and somebody goes, what happened? And he goes, I thought I hit it out. <laughs> he said that for, a, for like a full minute, he thought that he had popped out and didn't realize it and circled the bases all the way around. Uh, so that, that is in my mind, like that's the kind of prank I like in, in general. I am, I am a big fan of any prank that makes a person feel like they are going insane right up until they understand that they've been pranked and that, and then nothing is, nothing has changed. I think a, an example of a bad prank, I think, but I'll come back to sports stuff for a minute, but I got a real thing about pranks. I think that the office and like Jim doing pranks on Dwight kind of fucked up pranks for everyone because almost all of his pranks. And I think this filtered into like office life, like when I was, especially in like the mid 2010s when I was working in an office a lot, almost all of the pranks that I saw pulled were like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a fucking mess. Like when he, like when Jim puts the the stapler in the Jello mold, it's like I'm. That's that's not a prank. That's a mess you've given someone else to clean up. And so like people would do that. Like so they would wrap everything on your desk in Christmas paper, or they would move your desk to another spot. And it's like, yeah, that is sort of funny. But then now there's just like you're, you, and then they would like call a maintenance guy to come move the desk back. And it's like, you should not be making anyone do extra work for your prank. You should be pranking a person who is your friend and making them think that they are crazy for a second. Um, but I'll get off my prank high horse. The other, but I, I would say I wasn't much of a prankster growing up playing sports, but I was, I was a dugout chatter guy. That was another situation where I, I think I was, I was developing a comedic voice in a way that I didn't understand at the time. 
but that was so much fun for me, especially as a guy who was a pitcher who spent, you know, three out of the four games just on the bench. And I would do like, I was truly just trying to make my teammates laugh, like just yelling the most ridiculous things that were still baseball related. And I would also just like, I just had a lot of bits in the dugout. Like I had this, like, I would, I would pour my Gatorade into a coffee mug and drink it that way throughout the game. Just shit like that. Like I was just, I was, I was just always having fun in my own little ways, but I was really cranking. It's good to be, it's good to be silly at times. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. so we've established your comedian. You like to make people laugh, whether it's saying bits, doing a, doing a more low level prank as a non-messy prank, as you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as I said, in the introduction, you're also a producer of a podcast that focuses on the arguably unfunniest TV series of all time, <laughs> The Sopranos, on the podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun. Mm-hmm. Why in the world do you love The Sopranos? Okay, I, I want to, well, first, we've we've transitioned, we finished our, our run of The Sopranos, and now we've moved on to The Wire, and I would argue The Wire. Another hilarious, funny show. hilarious <laughs> show, yes. <laughs> but I think, honestly, I do think The Sopranos is quietly one of the funniest shows that's ever existed. I think... I think every episode has at least one like laugh out loud joke. And I think that's part of what makes it such a good show is just the the way that it's able to like seamlessly move you from like, you know, horrendous violence to banal family life to a truly funny character driven bit. Um, so I, yeah, I guess I take, I take some exception with the, with the, the classification of the Sopranos is not a funny show. I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a really funny show. You, you know, I, I actually started while I had, I didn't watch the Sopranos on the original run on HBO. Yeah, what, like me neither. 15 years ago yeah. or whatever it was. I actually started watching it during the pandemic Yeah, and I got through, I'm going to say about the middle of season two mm-hmm. and I got sick of it. I'm oh, like, really? why am I watching these <laughs> lazy degenerates <laughs> who are leeches? They live off of yeah. other people's businesses and properties and stealing, and they and they come off as if they themselves think it's it's a very well written show. I, I have to say, mm-hmm. but I just dislike the characters so much. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm done. That's fair. Everyone in the show is petty and venal and and awful. So I I get that, but I I don't know, man. I had a I had a blast hanging out with these sickos. <laughs> On the other hand, I think The Wire is arguably the best show ever written, produced. It, it just the the way that the writers and I'm forgetting his name, David or um, David I forget Simon. his name. Yes, how he used a lens of Baltimore. He used a lens to see Baltimore in. It's almost like a microscope. Like you just like keep changing yeah. the lens, mm-hmm, and he saw mm-hmm. it through the educational system, through the drug system, through illegal trade with the, the season two with the Greeks, which is, I was not a fan of season two. What's up with me and season twos. I'm not a big fan of. I don't know. Yeah. Two. You got a tough time. Tough twos are season two is a real hurdle for you. That's a me issue, but the yeah. wire was just amazing. And so, yeah, I did see that you guys started, I think about a month ago, three or four episodes ago, starting on the, we, starting on the wire. We just finished season two of the wire. So yeah, we're, we're, we're just starting to record season three. So yeah, we're, we're, we're well in swing with the wire. And I look, I agree. It's maybe it's definitely up there, but it is so fucking depressing. I, I watched all of season two over the course of like a week. 
um, while I was dog sitting and I was like spiraling out of control. I did this classic thing that I do where I will sometimes like go to the doctor because I think something is physically wrong with me. And then while I'm there, realize, oh no, I was just depressed. I'll deal with this. Uh, I went, I was like, my sinuses are all fucked up. And then it was like, the guy was like, are you drinking water? And I was like, no, because I don't deserve it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I I think the Sopranos, whatever, we don't have to get into the, the argument of the Sopranos versus the Wire, but I think the Sopranos is, because there is like a, a little bit more of a, I think part of what makes the Wire great is just how like committed to the realism it is and how like committed to showing you what Baltimore is like and how that is a micro for the macro of like institutional rot in America and Western civilization as a whole. But the Sopranos, there's just like a little bit of a layer between real life and whatever it is, because there's all the like dream sequences and it's a little bit more like postmodern inspired and that that gave me that gives me enough sort of distance from it so that I could just enjoy it as a piece of art whereas like the wire sometimes really feels like homework to me where it's like uh, what do I what are we supposed to do about the world you know like I get I get really wrapped up in that sometimes watching the wire but I I agree with you it is great I totally respect the fact that you love the Sopranos and I know people can't see Brent right now but unlike the Sopranos Brent is in fit shape. As I said, he used to be a college athlete. He's a big baseball fan. So the, unlike the big blubbery soprano guys, you are nowhere near that. And, go, and keeping on that thing about being fit and an athlete, where did your love of the Seattle Mariners come from? It came from, I think it came from a few things. One being, I mean, I grew, I grew up in the area. I grew up in Briar, Washington, which for those who aren't familiar with the Seattle area, that's like Linwood, Bothell, like North suburbs of Seattle. And my parents, so my mom worked for Romero Blue Cross and my dad worked for Boeing. He was a machinist. My dad does airplanes. My mom does, she used to do like claim support. And, you know, they had three kids. We weren't, we were like middle-class. So like, I think the Mariners were bad and they worked for companies that were sponsors. So I think that, I think there was just free tickets floating around that nobody really wanted. So I think I went to a lot of games from like, you know, 92 to 94 because the tickets were just there. And, uh, and I, you know, I grew up playing baseball and then, Obviously, like that, especially with that 95 team and with Griffey, even in the years before that, like I was, you know, it was kind of a right place, right time situation where like I was there at a really impressionable age when the team had Griffey, A-Rod, Randy Johnson, Edgar Martinez, like those are, those are four Hall of Famers that they you know, never got a championship. And that, and that white guy that had, I think he was bald or had a mustache. Oh, Buner. Buner, there you go. Jay Buner, yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Rocket for an arm. Uh, Yeah, Jay Buner ruled. Yeah. So they, not only were they all like once in a generation talents, I mean, that's maybe an exaggeration for Buner, but the rest of them were truly like once in a generation talents. And then you had a guy like Buner who was also great and a huge personality. Like they were all, and Griffey was a big personality. Randy Johnson was 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 a lot so and yeah so like seeing that run in 95 
uh, the double, you know, the Edgar Martinez double against the, the, the hated Yankees in the 95 ALDS. I still like watching a video of that. I get choked up. It's, it's a lot for me. Uh, Edgar Martinez is a personal hero of mine. So yeah, I think it was, it was kind of a proximity thing, right time, right place. I grew up, I liked playing baseball. That was the sport for whatever reason. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of, you know, it's hard to, to look back and was it sort of a chicken and an egg thing? Was I into baseball because of the Mariners or was I into the Mariners? Cause I like playing baseball. And I think they kind of fed each other. And, uh, and then, yeah, I got to, to just keep going to games like growing up and just, you know, always had a good time. And then once Safeco now T-Mobile opened, I was old enough and I was old enough to start like taking myself to games. And then they were really bad again for a long time. So that was just like an easy thing to do when I was like in my twenties or late teens, like you could always get a Mariners ticket for like eight bucks. And that was like, you know, that was a thing me and my friends would do. That was occasional. A couple of times I went to a game by myself because I truly couldn't give a ticket away. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of where that all started. Well, as you said, that you, sir, there were some times that you couldn't give a ticket away. Mm-hmm. That is not the case this year. Yeah. The, and the Seattle Mariners went to the playoffs last year. They mm-hmm. very much have expectations to return yes. to the playoffs, maybe yes. even win the American League West division. Yeah. What are you seeing from the team this season? I mean, so my friend, um, Dan, he lives in, in LA here and his wife grew up in Everett. And so she's a Mariners fan. And last year, beginning of the season, he was like, cause he's just never been into baseball. He grew up in Yakima. was just never really into baseball. And then last year he was like, guys, I think I'm getting into baseball. I'm a Mariners fan. And he messaged me and my other friend, Carl, who lives in LA, he's a big Mariners fan. I grew up in Seattle. And our friend Carl said, I just want you to know nothing good will ever come from this. Like, I, I'm glad to have you with us. I don't know if this is what you want to do with your life, but like, God bless and good luck. And so like, I try, I gave up having any sort of expectations for the Mariners. I would say three years ago, once I moved, truly I moved to LA and in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, as soon as they, as soon as I move to LA, they'll be good. Cause that's just how things work, you know? And then I moved to LA and they were like, really bad for three years <laughs> and so it became and then so I wasn't able to go to games I wasn't even really able to watch games I was just kind of checking my phone and they were so bad that it became easier and easier to just kind of lose touch with them and so like you know when they made it to the playoffs last year I was obviously like a lot more engaged and and so like I did come into this season in the back of my mind thinking like, okay, you know, playoffs is a reasonable goal. Playoffs at this point, anything less than the playoffs is a little bit of a disappointment in the back of my mind. And like, maybe even a run, like a true run at a world series. And so out of the gate, it's that, that feeling of like, why did I ever for a second think that they might do something good? (laughs) Cause they, so far, I don't know. They're still, they're, they're playing well enough that I haven't given up hope. I'm still engaged, uh, but I am, you know, I'm a little disappointed. It's, it's, I'm very happy with how Jared Kalanick is, is playing. That has been an amazing development, but to see him and Julio essentially like switch places has been really fucking with my head. Um, but also, yeah, I don't know. There's just so many guys who are sort of underperforming, 
relative to what I think we all know they can do. Like Ty France has been off to a bit of a slow start. Colton Wong has one of the worst starts I've ever seen. The curse of the Mariners. I'm going to call it the Brett Boone curse. I don't know if we've had a good second baseman since Brett Boone. Uh, Robbie, Robbie Cano. Maybe it's the curse of Robbie Cano. Maybe Robbie Cano did it. Because every second baseman since Robinson Cano has been so... That's not true. Hold on. Because there was Dustin Ackley. Whatever. I'm not going to get into the weeds. I'm just... Colton Wong has underperformed. Ty France has underperformed. Julio's underperformed. And I do think that all of them are, are capable of and will play better as the season progresses. So I still, I still have hopes for the playoff. If nothing else, I still think they can make the playoffs. It's really frustrating that now the Rangers and the Angels are kind of good. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, keep my expectations low. But that was one of the like one of the things that sort of like happened last year was there was a very real part of me that was like not sure if I was ready to see the Mariners win, if that makes sense. Like there was a very there was like something I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this joy and yes, pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Something deep down inside was like, this is not for you. This is not what you are. This is not for you. And there's also a very very real part of me that is afraid that the Mariners will win a World Series and I will feel nothing. You know what I mean? Like that I've been waiting my whole life for this thing. And when it happens, I'll realize like, nope, you're still you're still empty inside my man. This isn't going to do anything for you. To be fair. Everyone hypes up, and I do as well, that the best division in baseball is the American League East Division or yeah. potentially the National League East Division. Mm-hmm. But as you had you mentioned, the American League West Division is sneakily strong. As you yeah. said, the Texas Rangers, they spent, what, like $700 million in contracts on like three players? Yeah. They're in first place in the American League West. Then you have the defending World Series champions who are still really good, the Houston Astros. Yeah. I think they're in third yeah. place. And the Angels... I mean, God bless them. They keep, they are also throwing <laughs> ten hundreds of millions of dollars at like a handful of players. And th- yeah. now they're in second place. And so, and they, yeah, they have two generational talents too. like, yeah. maybe category, maybe conversation for best ever. We'll see, you know, in a few Absolutely. years. I wouldn't put it past the Seattle Mariners. If they're able to go through that gauntlet of the division, getting into the playoffs, I wouldn't pa- would, wouldn't put it past them to actually make a deep run into the playoffs yes. because it just that that type of division prepares you yeah for the playoffs. Let's hope. Let's hope. What what's your team? As you see my team of the Braves, yeah, the Atlanta Braves. Okay. And, yeah. and again in another tough division with the New York Mets, the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies, the Miami Marlins being sneakily strong. I don't want to maybe good just uh, pesky they're they're yeah. certainly yeah. better than they were last year and of course the nationals yeah. they just lost hope right now yeah <laughs> going yeah. back to again you were a college baseball player and you've transitioned mm-hmm. from being an athlete I'm, i suppose through most of your young life and then as you had alluded to you worked in an office and now mm-hmm. you work in entertainment you're a stand-up mm-hmm. comedian you're a producer of a podcast mm-hmm. Are there any similarities in when you were preparing for college baseball games for practices and now what you do when you're writing for stand-up? Not so much what I'm writing, but I think that like the the sort of performance aspect, like doing stand-up comedy is not that different from pitching in a way where um, everyone's waiting for you to you like all of the action is is predicated on on your delivery basically and then you kind of adjust as your 
you know, the audience or the other team uh, reacts to what you're doing. And, and so in that regard, like, I think, especially like looking back, like part of what I loved about pitching was that like, I was also performing for a crowd. Uh, and I, I took that, I was very much into that. Like I was, I was very lively on the mound. I would, I would argue with umpires. I would, I would, uh, I talked a lot of shit. I, uh, you know, I knew that everyone was watching me and I, and I sort of relished that. And so I think some of that has sort of transferred over into performing and, and, and doing stand-up comedy. Keeping on that point about performing, I don't, a lot of, I, I, I do love comedy and, and I, I go to shows and some of the comedians wear weird clothes. Some of them wear <laughs> whatever. Have you a going off a of base based off of that? Do you have you had a chance to see the Seattle Mariners new City Connect jerseys? I have. What do you think? What do you think of that as a performer? I I feel crazy because I keep hearing people talk about how cool they are, and I, I think they're dog shit. Like <laughs> black pants, black pants. I got I got absolutely torn apart for wearing black pants to practice my freshman year of high school. And I don't know, I, that makes me feel conflicted because I'm like, that should be fine. Like you should, a child wearing black pants that it, so that he doesn't, like his mom doesn't have to wash them as often, I think it's fine. But black pants, like that's, why? Why are the pants black? There's nothing in the history of the Mariners or any of the, this, the whole City the Connect. City. Yeah. Yeah, the whole City Connect thing, I think is, I think the whole concept is sweaty and I, I mean, I'm glad I, the hat and the, and the, and the, the uniform, the hat is pretty good. The uniform is okay. I agree. The hat, the, the, with the Poseidon's, uh, yes. with the spear or whatever. The it, trident. The trident, yeah. correct. It's, it the is trident, very nice. The trident is sick. I like blue and yellow as a color combination. I'm glad they did that. The top to me is like, it's a little bit of the, uh, it's like just too many ideas all at once. The, like the my, oh my, and the Pacific Northwest and the, whatever like they just they you need to to just pick like one idea and go with it and they they kind of like slapped a bunch of ideas together and so i don't think i don't love it um but that i just yeah the black pants they're just bad i don't and i don't think blue black and yellow is a good color combination i don't think those colors look good together um so yeah i but i also like i saw like I think it was ESPN.com. It might've been MLB.com, but it was Will Leach. The guy used to write Deadspin, rank, like ranked the City Connect uniforms and he ranked the Mariners as number one. And I was like, am I, in, am I insane? Like you what? You can't see through all the rain and fog. You can't, you can't I see can't, it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is, especially when there's, there's, there's the White Sox jerseys to me are the only good ones. The rest of them They're are, really it's good. like, there's a really good, just in general, Major League Baseball needs to just like accept that it's not, hip it's not cool and it shouldn't try to be like this is i don't know is this like a nike i don't know that much about it but i assume this is some sort of like yeah, nike, nike initiative in the same way that they had the like nba city jerseys and some of those are great and some of those are bad but i think that that just sort of in general works better for basketball because i think yeah there's this people who try to make baseball like Oh, it's going to be like hip and fresh and young. It's like, no, baseball's thing is that it's stodgy and old and kind of stupid. Like that is what's good about baseball. 
and you're kind of losing sight when you try to make like the like the Padres. Oh, I think those ones are really bad too, with all the like bright colors and and like the the crazy trying fonts. to be Miami, even though yeah. you're five thousand miles away from Miami. Yes, I almost called them the Marlins jerseys because they look like they should be Miami. It doesn't make yeah, they're bad, oh, top to bottom almost. They're they're bad. The Rockies ones are kind of cool. No, the, um, I, I, if you want to look like a janitor, yeah. <laughs> I like hear the janitor's uh, his keys every time those guys come up to bat. I don't like it at all. The worst, to close out the City Connect, the worst City Connects are the San Francisco Giants when they try to represent fog and the Golden Gate Bridge. Orange and cream. Ones. You got to look that up. It's orange and cream, and they just basically wanted to represent fog. Fog. That's terrible. too funny. It's terrible. But what's not terrible is – we're going to take you away from being a podcast, a podcast producer, a comedian for one day, and we're going to okay. make you the new commissioner of Major League Baseball. Yes. What's yes. one or two yes. things that you would change? Because obviously, I, I can already tell you, the number one thing would probably be to ban City Connect jerseys. But what's one or two other things that you would do as commissioner? You'd think, right? But no, actually, um, I well, first of all, because I know that this is sort of recent, is that they've capped the number of uniforms that a team can have. Yes, to three. Uh, that's... I think the first thing I'm doing is removing that cap. Who fucking cares how many jerseys they have? They should have, like, I don't think they should try to make them all look cool. Like, to me, the like the best alternate jerseys the Mariners have are those cream ones. I think that is, like, kind of what people should be going for. It's just sort of, like, classic designs in slightly different color combinations. Those, like, Padres sand-colored jerseys, I think those are really cool. I think, I think stuff like that. So that's the first thing is like, who cares how many jerseys they have? Let them wear as long as they don't match the other team. What does it matter? And then, you know, I was thinking about this. I I can't exactly articulate how, how I want it to go exactly. But like we need, if baseball is going to commit to this, like no salary cap sort of style, there needs to be, they need to like sort of socialize it in some way. So like, I don't know, maybe this is sort of how it works and I just don't understand. But like, I understand that like Steve Cohen is throwing insane amounts of money at the Mets. And as a result, he has to pay a tax that goes to Major League Baseball. That money should go to teams like the A's and whoever, you know? And 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 I think I might even try to somehow wrestle control of some of these teams that have ownership that clearly doesn't care about making the team good and somehow like give those teams to a trust in the city um John, then, by the way john fisher the owner of the athletics he doesn't need the money yeah. his mom and dad founded the gap banana republic and what's the other one they don't need money. Yeah. I, I can't stand John Fisher and, and his team. Yeah, they, they should not go to that team. It should somehow be put in directly into a payroll for that team that they have to spend on players uh, or stadium experience or something. But even then, it sort of feels like you're rewarding these shitheads like John Fisher. So that's why I would I would. Yeah, I would try to take that team and give it to the city of Oakland somehow. And any other of those those teams that are that financially can't compete and, and just try to find some way to like revenue share or something, something just like, Oh no, here's what it is. Here's what I think all American sports leagues need to introduce some type of relegation system. So 
that's yeah. I think that there should be basically like a a sub like something above Triple A below major league baseball and if you're in the bottom four in the major leagues you go to this other league next year and then both of these leagues would have a playoff system right and i think that that also because i think part of what people get annoyed with about baseball is that like there's 162 games or whatever and uh eventually it's like clearly some of these teams have nothing to play for and then they have to just drag these seasons out but i think that if there is relegation or promotion on the line that keeps like 10 more teams like like focused on winning games and so that there's you know there's a tournament at the at the in the relegated league at the end of the year um so there's like two sets of playoffs and there's always like you know you're still playing for something on both sides and unless you're you know like a really bad team in the relegation in the relegated league which the A's would probably be for most seasons but still like there would still be i think it would just it would provide more incentive for teams to try to win at the end of the season absolutely i definitely agree those are good ideas our going away question here is if a fan goes out to la obviously they want to see you perform of course beyond that if they go see their team like the mariners play the the los angeles angels or the dodgers What's a good local place that you enjoy to have coffee, a drink, or uh, food? One or two places that you enjoy in the LA area. Definitely. First of all, if you're going to come watch the Mariners, you're probably going to Anaheim, which is unfortunate. Uh, that stadium's not very good, uh, and it's it's so far away from LA. But so if you get if you can, I don't know. Do the Mariners? Maybe the Mariners play at Dodgers. God, I hope they play at Dodger Stadium next year. I don't know if they've played at Dodger Stadium since I've lived here. Uh, the Dodgers have gone to. Safeco or T-Mobile a couple of times. Anyways, try to go to a game. If, if, and this goes for anybody out there, if you can go to a game at Dodger stadium at some point in your life, you should, it's, it's one of the, it's one of the good stadiums for sure. I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't been to that many, but I can tell you for certain Dodger stadium is one of the good ones just in terms of like aesthetic, uh, you know, enjoyment and fan experience history. Like it's, it's the full package. Uh, it's, it's a great time. Um, and then, you know, hop on the bus or, or whatever and come back to, to my neighborhood, East Hollywood and, uh, hit up one of the pupusa trucks. Um, pupusas are, 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 uh, a food item. Everybody's, you know, everybody's aware of the taco trucks. If you got a good taco truck, hit that up. But one of the things when I moved here, I didn't realize was I moved into what was at some point a predominantly like uh, Salvadorian neighborhood. Sorry, I am gentrifying. I apologize. Um, but I didn't. And there were like pupusa places all over the place. And I'd had pupusas, but I just I don't know. It seemed a little like impenetrable. Um, but lately I've been going to this pupusa place. It's on Sunset in front of the 99 cent store. You get two pupusas for five bucks. Get the bean and cheese. Uh, pupusas, if you don't know, pupusa is like somewhere in between a quesadilla and a tamale. It's it's great. It's like a you know some sort of like ready starchy thing stuffed with cheese and beans, and then they give you this like slaw to put on top of it, and like a like a salsa type of sauce, and you eat it all up. It's five bucks. It's very filling. It's really good, and. Um, don't go to the taco stand next door. That one, there's better taco places. That one's going to blow up because I was I was getting pupusas. This is like three weeks ago. I was getting pupusas at the pupusa cart, and there there's a taco 
cart like right next door that was that always has a line. And while I was there getting pupusas, Aziz Ansari came up with a camera crew and got tacos there. And they were clearly like filming something. So I was like, oh shit, this taco place is about to blow up. I got to go there next week. And so I went there the next week and I was like, I don't know, these are fine. Like they're fine. I'd rather have the pupusas and there's other taco trucks within a five minute walk that are better. So when Aziz puts out some some bullshit about a taco place in, in Hollywood, just know it's it's fine. You don't need to go there. Get the pupusas. Then for a drink, this is going to sound crazy. But there's a bar near where I live. It's called Birds. It's next to the UCB Franklin Theater. You're going to go there and you're going to get a Bud Light draft. I know you're thinking, okay, I've had, Brent, I've had a Bud Light. You haven't had a Bud Light at Birds. I don't know what it is. There's something. They're cleaning the taps. They're going through it. It's staying fresh or something. A Birds Bud Light is like a McDonald's Sprite. It's just better. I can't explain it. Have a few of those. And then the next morning, get up, get a coffee at Obet and Dell's just around the corner from the Papusa cart. It's like a local coffee shop. Uh, get a, a Thai Town iced latte. Those are bomb. And a Spam Masubi croissant. I think that's I think that's I think that's what you got to do if you're coming to L.A. for a Dodgers game. Oh, but when you're at the Dodgers game, get an Elote. Yeah, get an Elote and a Michelada. Those are bomb, too. Those those are really good yeah. suggestions, Brent. I appreciate that. Brent. If you could close out the show and let us know where everyone can follow all your hot takes for the best food in East LA, all over Los Angeles, your wire your takes on the wire, the Sopranos, and of course, your stand-up work. For sure. Uh, if you want, first of all, follow me on Instagram at Brent Flyberg, and uh, you can find kind of everything I'm doing there. But there's the podcast we mentioned, Pod Yourself. Pod yourself though it's I mean it's pod yourself the wire right now but if you look on on iTunes you know, you're what you're looking for is pod yourself a gun um, it's great it's truly like it's such a good podcast um, the one of the hosts Matt writes a parody song that is a synopsis of the episode for every episode uh, and they're like really well done parody songs and he's funny so check it out I also produce a Degrassi, the next generation rewatch podcast called All About Degrassi. Uh, check that out. That's a lot of fun. And if you live in the Los Angeles area, come see me do a show. Find me on Instagram and see what I'm doing shows. But I definitely I run a a stand up showcase at the Alamo Draft House in downtown LA. The next one is June 23rd. Uh, so come to that, come hang out. It's going to be a great time. And, uh, and yeah, I think that covers it. Thank you to Brent for joining us this week. I also want to thank our loyal listeners every week and a couple of new listeners as well. Welcome to the show. Someone from West New York, New Jersey, someone from Welling, England, a place called Wakefield. Maybe it's in Massachusetts. Someone from Summerall, Mississippi. This this place cracked me up. Santa Claus, Indiana. I have never heard of Santa Claus, Indiana. But thank you. San Pedro Sula, El Salvador. Red Bank, New Jersey. Paradise, Arizona. Leland, North Carolina. Kerrville, Texas. Duncan, our good neighbors to the north, Ontario, Canada. Carlisle, England. Baldwin, Mississippi. Kings Hill, U.S. Virgin Islands. I can't wait to go there. I might even go there during the wintertime when the baseball season is, is in the rest. 
Gosport, England, Blair Gawir, England, and I needed help from the HPP bullpen on how the heck to pronounce these two places in Hungary. I can't believe anyone anyone listens to this in Hungary, but thank you. Debrecen. Debrecen, Hungary. And also... Hungary. I don't know how you say thank you in Hungary, but everyone, thanks for listening, and let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.